Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's episode number 61 of the Audible Farm Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Couchtown Coffee. Couchtown Coffee is roasted right here in Iowa, and you can have coffee that's been roasted in Iowa shipped to your house, and you can make it at your house at your own leisure, and it is amazing coffee. Uh, Andrew Chipman at Couchtown Coffee has been very good to us over here at the Audible Farm Podcast, and I just want to say a huge shout out to him for doing all the awesome stuff he does. Uh, he shares some of the, the links we have. We uh, we discuss things over text messages as far as what goes on in the podcast. And uh, I also drink the amazing, amazing coffee that Andrew roasts. So uh, I, I implore everybody to check out www.couchtowncoffee.com. Find a coffee you like. And then uh, send them an email, make an order. Uh, you can also save 20% on your order this week because you're awesome and you're listening to the podcast. So if you want to save 20% this week, make an order between the 14th and the 20th of November in 2019 and use the code word MARBIN. Uh, it's in the description section. Check out the code word MARBIN. Use it. Save 20%. Get yourself some of the best coffee that Iowa has to offer. Get yourself some Couchtown coffee. Why is this week's code word Marbin? Well, that's kind of a crazy one. Um, I've this week I'm sitting down with Danny Rabin from Marbin, and Danny, well, I guess I've I've been following him online for a long time. Uh, at least all of Marbin, they're really active on their Facebook. They're based out of Chicago, and uh, I had an opportunity to go see them live. I hit him up. I said, Danny, you want to sit down and do a little talk with me, and we can discuss some of the things that are going on because they are very, very active online, as well as uh, touring and just going all over the U.S. and beyond playing music. We discuss all sorts of things, um, such as their hashtag of Marbin Strikes Back. We discuss the quest for tone. We discuss going down to Mexico and playing a show. Uh, we discuss all sorts of cool things in here. He is very, very well-versed in uh, all things music, and he's he's did a really good job of, of laying down some analogies that really kind of hit home, and uh, pretty pretty proud of this episode. Uh, Danny did an amazing job and I'm really glad that he took some time out of his busy day on the last day of his tour to sit down and talk with me for uh, about an hour or so. So shout out to you, Danny. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you everybody in Marbin for doing the tours and stuff and swinging back through lefties. That was uh, that was a great time. I had a great time at that show seeing uh, the Maw. It had been a while since I'd seen the Maw and uh, those guys are those guys are tons of fun. So I I really had a great time seeing the Maw live. It, it had been about a year or so since I've seen them. They don't play too many shows, but when they do, you better go out and see them because they're that good. Otherwise, uh, Dead Emperors were there, and I was pretty wowed by Dead Emperors. They're, they're from Iowa City area. They're a great band. Uh, I'd like to sit down and talk with one of them eventually, and maybe I'll have an opportunity because it appears that Three Finger Betty's got a show coming up with them later. Um, check the Three Finger Betty Facebook page for more info on that. But this episode's all about Marvin. It's about uh, Danny, where he comes from, what's going on, where he went to school, uh, how he met uh, the other Danny in, in the band, um, what kind of music he plays, et cetera, et cetera. And it's, it's a really good episode. Um, I usually try to stick with people who are a little lesser known, but I figured, why not talk to Danny? He's right there. Uh, he agreed to talk with me. And uh, 
everybody deserves a little bit of exposure, whether or not it's a uh, you know Marvin or or Uncle or the Eleanors or whoever. So I just I uh, hope everybody enjoys this episode this week. I went a little different avenue and and, and, and interviewed somebody that was a little bit more popular, but uh, nonetheless, this episode's still amazing. So uh, thanks everybody for checking it out. I hope you enjoy the episode. We will start it up here. All right, this is episode sixty-one with Danny Rabin. It's the Audible Farm Podcast with your host, Peter Stockdale. All right, so I'm sitting down today with Danny Rabin. That's right. You are the guitarist in, I am. in Marvin. Yep, and uh, Marvin is from Chicago. Is that where you guys are based out We're of? We're based out of Chicago. Yeah, yeah. but not you, from there. No. Uh, well, where are you from originally? Israel. Israel. I'm from a town called Rehovot. Okay, I'm not going to try and pronounce that. Yeah, I'm sorry. It means streets. Streets. That's the literal translation. So. So it's a town. I'm from the streets. From the streets. Yeah. The mean streets. The mean streets of Rehovot. <laughs> so what brought you over here then? Music. Music. So yeah. Did you like come to school over here to do music or? Uh, I initially went to Berkeley College oh, cool. of Music, 2003. Nice. And then I graduated 2007. Mm-hmm. And then I went back for a summer to Israel and I met Danny Markovich. And then we came to Chicago together. Uh-huh. I moved from Boston to Chicago. Oh, and cool. uh, yeah, we just started. Well, eventually we started Marvin and, uh, you know, it went through a few transformations. Yeah, uh, the band has changed a little bit over the years. Uh, I mean, yeah. I've seen different drummers different and bassists, yeah. but the you and Danny, Danny no. and Danny, yeah, you guys have been the two that have been... Yeah, we the, wrote the music, yep. and uh, Marvin is Markovich Rabin, so... Oh! Yeah, we would have to... There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering where the name came from. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so we would have to uh, find another person that has that in their name if we wanted to change lineups. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's already tattooed onto the band. It can't yeah. be changed. No, it cannot be changed. Uh, we actually were discussing how stupid of a name that is for years, but then, and like, you know, like our fifth album, the name is Aggressive Hippies, yep. and we thought that's a great name for a band, but then we started seeing all these bands that have literal, men's, like names with literal meaning, mm-hmm. and it would just suck to be on stage and just be like, we are Aggressive Hippies, we are Aggressive Hippies, like yeah. every night, you yeah. know? So, I'm actually... Now coming full full circle to the beginning and thinking that it's brilliant to have a name that doesn't mean anything. Okay, because uh, you know you can. I, I totally get that because it's up to whoever's listening's interpretation. Or yeah, and or also you don't you don't fall into like uh, your own self fulfilling prophecy. Bingo. Yeah. You know, it's so not- like I would hate to be Cannibal Corpse. I know they're playing in town tonight too. Oh, they are. Yeah, and it's like we are Cannibal Corpse. Yeah, we are. Can- like you know, after like twenty five years, like. You're all like fat and old, and you're like, I am Cannibal Corpse. It know? becomes a caricature of yourself, almost yeah. like. Uh, and I'm not trying to like pick on bands, but like when the Misfits went back on tour, they sure. got they got picked on a yeah. lot because they weren't quite what they used to be. Yeah. So yeah, Metallica is a great name. Yeah, it's nothing. Yeah, exactly. It has metal in it. Okay, let me ask you this: How many people? This is going to sound really dumb. How many people have uh, tried to interact with you, thinking like one of you guys is named Marvin? Oh, I get that all the time because yeah. I do all the Facebook Live stuff. Yeah. So they're like, Marvin, I love your playing. I'm like, yep. 
Yeah, you know, <laughs> yes. but it, it's our inevitable. playing is good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 A lot of people think that that's you know because we're not from this country, so mm-hmm. you know they, they they look at us and hear maybe a little bit of accent, especially when Danny talks, like, oh, that yeah. must be a name from their culture. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Marvin's not a Hebrew thing. It's just Markovich Rabin. That's awesome. I guess I never even knew that either. Yeah. But but I've been you know like following you guys online for quite a while. And yeah. that, was, that was one of the things that drew me to you guys originally was the fact that you had a ridiculously big following on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were constantly posting things. You uh, Still am. You would do the sponsored content, so every time you were around, I would see that you were doing a show. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, you were always really good and active about that. Um, other things I would see would, like, you're interacting with people. So, like, uh, you would go live and just be like, I'm playing at this coffee shop in this town, and I'm going to teach you a little bit of something about this. Yeah. You know, and uh, you went to Berklee School of M- Music. So you're a little bit above my level of playing because I can play guitar, but half the time I get about five minutes into what you're talking about, I'm like, I don't know what he's talking about at all. Anymore. <laughs> so, so, well, I mean, you know, there's a, I get, I get some criticism from people who would like me to uh, slow down the pace or explain some things that are a little simpler, but the internet's very f- slam packed with that kind of stuff. Yes. So, I mean, I think uh, the kind of thing I'm going for. I think it's helpful for people who have some sort of background in jazz, and I think it's helpful for other people to understand that this stuff is a language and yeah. just kind of get generally inspired. And like, if somebody is uh, using terminology that you're not familiar with, then I think a, a big part of inspiration is just going out and seeking out those words. Like, some, like people keep saying, I don't know fifths or you know yeah, some yep. or like you know talking about intervals or saying triads and you don't you're not quite sure what that means so it's like you're missing that piece of lego that that kind of like constructs that bigger meaning exactly. and, and a lot and you don't need your hand your handheld through everything in music a lot of time it's just enough to just be like you know oh my god i'm sick of not understanding what that word is let's yeah. look it up and um but yeah it, it tends to be that uh the thing people are really lacking is uh, the drive to start a big project like learning theory from scratch. Yeah. Because it seems bigger than it is. I mean, I've got like basic music theory, so the concepts you're teaching are not like super foreign to me, but in the general gist of what's going on, I'm still kind of like, yeah, you're, going, you're a little over my head because I've only taken like level one music theory. Yeah. So I, I know basically kind of what you're talking about when you're talking about, oh, we're in the Ionian here, and yeah, nah, nah, nah. Mm-hmm. but then you start to get kind of crazy when you're talking about, oh, we could play this pattern, and then if you go to the second, this pattern, and the third is this pattern, and the fourth. Like you were doing that the other day when I was watching, and like I said, I got like three minutes in, and I, I Well, the question lost. is, where do you get lost you know and and why right that's so, true so it's like you just be- gotta like find exactly like that point where somebody's talking and you're no longer following it's mm-hmm. like what a good like if you want to get actually inspired to learn something you just got all you gotta ask yourself is what happened there that's, right that's it's like that point where i said something and you're all, all of a sudden kind of off off the train yep you know so it's like okay so how do I stay just past that moment? What is that thing I didn't understand that made me confused? And I think if you tackle your practice one thing at a time, eventually you'll run out of things 
yeah. to you, you just be able to be a part of the conversation I think the, the the talk about music theory isn't as infinite or complex as you might think it is yeah the real part where people start falling off the train is where you have to apply the theory to your instrument and sound good exactly but um, that's I could see that a lot because I learned music theory like when I was like 18 on a piano and then by the time I was like 28 and wanted to try to apply what I learned 10 years ago to a guitar it was completely different because I was trying to take a concept and apply it to a completely different thing sure I think I think uh, when we teach a lot of master classes in universities and high schools and do that kind of stuff when we're touring in the day and we get to see where people disagree with the way we teach and the way we talk because there's a lot of contradicting ideas floating around right now in the world of music and I think there's not a whole lot of consensus about the meaning of words in general especially when you get specialized like when you say harmony mm-hmm. negative harmony is like a thing now but like you know never mind that but like you know harmony theory even people don't agree on what music theory is and you get to see a lot of people who are very married to maybe a definition of something that their first music teacher gave them that might not be you know useful to them so the way I would look at music theory is very unlike scientific theory and that's very confusing for people because when people think about theory they think about uh, relativity or yeah. gravity yep. it's or, a law or, yep. yeah something something like something like scientific theory where it's something that you can prove or disprove, right? But music theory doesn't work like that. Like, you get rules. Rules in music are like, you can't play a C sharp on a C chord. And then you go to a piano and you go, plank, did yep. it. Yep. So it's like, what does it mean, can't? That's true. You know, you can do whatever you want. The problem is it sounds, it, it makes a sound. And what you're really doing is you're categorizing. So it's less like scientific theory, and it's more like owning a gigantic library where you have millions of books and you're the librarian. And a good librarian has a choice of how he's going to organize all these books. right? So you can do it by width, height, name of author, name of publication, era, whatever. And then you get into these positions where there's a job to do, meaning somebody can walk into your library and say, I want... You know, all the books written in France between 1932 and 1934. Now, if, you, if, some, if that's the job and, some, and you organized all your books by width, you're fucked. <laughs> yeah, you that know? makes sense. Yeah. So it's like if the job is playing jazz and the way you have arranged your knowledge is the way that's useful for the job of a classical musician, you're screwed. There's nothing you can do, right? Your, your theoretical understanding doesn't suit the task at hand. That makes sense. Most people can't commit to a task at hand. And, and you see it a lot. If, if your task is playing rock, mm-hmm. right, or blues, and you learn pentatonic scales and have great vibrato and nice tone and know all these rock songs, and now all of a sudden you want to play jazz... Yeah. Right, your system of organizing your musical world—it's not that it's terrible; it's just not suited for the job. So yeah. you got to rethink about where you're going to put all these books, or maybe like you—you got to come up with like new ways of categorizing things. Exactly. You know. So, but right now, more and more, what you see is—it's almost you know how kids now 
are not even playing video games. They're watching people playing video games. Yeah, yeah, You yeah, know, there's yeah. all these sites where you get to see somebody watching somebody else do something. Um, that's more and more prevalent because you have so many examples of people who can play things like you're scrolling through Instagram. So the net time that you're touching your instrument and figuring stuff out on your own is getting reduced because you're just consuming content, consuming other people doing things. And, um, you know, that's a very bad thing. That, you, make, like, you, that makes sense. If you need to get, you, like, just watching endless examples of people sounding okay is not a substitute <laughs> for practicing, you know? So you need to spend oh a ton God. of time holding the instrument and, like, if you, the moment you see something interesting, you gotta, you have, like, two urges that are competing. One is to go to the next video of another interesting thing, to understand it deeper, maybe another explanation. Get, but all you're doing is getting better at Googling, you know? So it's, yeah, you yeah. got to put it on the instrument and put it in, like, just, like, this grinding again and again from different angles is what gets you good eventually. Yeah, that, that makes total sense because, I mean, every time I see you and you're online either doing Facebook Live or whatever, you're, you're almost never just sitting there talking. You almost always have a guitar in your hand. Yeah. So it's one of those other things where you have constant exposure to always touching a guitar and you're not just sitting at a laptop Googling no, stuff. And, no, and, and, you know, for me, all the gypsy jazz stuff for me was, uh, you know, really a hobby. It's, it's very fun, but... Um, it's not what I do full time, which is Marvin. But you know, still, it everything feeds each other, and you know, I'm always playing. I'm always trying to get better at something. Yeah. You know, when it comes to when it comes to music, I'm constantly thinking about, you know, what tools I don't have, what how to improve the things I do have, uh -huh. like you know, how to improve technique, how to, I mean just fretboard knowledge like you know there's there's always if you're really looking you know you're you're always you're always in a position where there's so much more you don't know than what you do know like yeah what you do know is such a narrow band it's like you know i i know some things i know how to sound good through some songs but you know it's not like like my vocabulary is not endless yeah i, I get what you're saying i mean there's a popular quote that goes something like um, as the island of your knowledge grows, so does the shore of your ignorance. Right. So, you know, the bigger your knowledge is, you just realize I'd, you realize how much you don't know the more you learn. Yeah. And that's kind of a crazy concept to think about. Well, with music, it's weird because at a certain point, there's like this one leap that some people do, which is the leap into sounding good, you know? And it's very amazing because there are... Like, once you become a voice on your instrument... Not a lot of people make that leap to where they just are a thinker that just kind of is one of the mouthpieces. And uh, it's almost like there are two scales. There's the scale of sounding bad and the scale of sounding good. And some people are very low on the scale of sounding good and some people are very high on the scale of sounding yeah. bad. But those two don't ever touch. Okay, yeah. I you see know what, you're what I mean? Yeah. And it's, like, it's kind of like... Um, I can't, it's, it's like waking up, coming to awareness or something. Uh, that thing where you actually start playing, where you just kind of sink into yourself and you're like, oh, like this is for real and I'm playing for real and I get to actually move things in time and color things, you know, and, and make choices that have weight. And before you do that, you're just kind of like a kid playing. And a lot of people just never wake up, you know, they, and, and there's no, there's no, there's nothing to do 
you know, it has, there's nothing to do for people like that. You have to, it's kind of like a, a rite of passage kind of thing. Some people just seem to get there and some don't. Yes, it's, you have to take the initiative yourself to, to put in the work by yeah. yourself. Because so much, so much of what people think is like, uh, this guy's a guitar player. He's out there every night and he's just shredding it up and chicks are hanging off of him and blah, blah. Like, how much time did you spend alone at your house doing guitar stuff to get as good as you did you know and it's oh i still do yeah i still spend most of my time and I, alone doing yeah. that stuff and along with that i really enjoy the analogy you made of uh there's a scale of bad guitar players and you can be the best bad guitar player or like one of the people that's a good guitar player and if you're in the lower echelons of that there's still there's a big leap between there and when you described it like that, I remember just being that kid with a guitar, and it's like, oh, I'm just playing tabs. Somebody wrote this, and this has to be what it is, you know? Like, so you're just going by whatever somebody tells you or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then somewhere in my 20s, I was just like, I'm going to start trying to pick up, like, rock and blues and scales and trying to figure out theory and, and put it all together on a guitar. And I started doing exactly what you're saying. I had this, like, epiphonic moment where I realized I was learning things, and I could go out to, like, blues jam nights and actually fit in with these people and do things and, yeah. and have a tiny little bit of a voice of my own. I mean, granted, so many people there were so much better than me at the time, but it was still one of those things where you said, it's this weird leap you take, even if you're at the very bottom of the people that are good at playing, it's just kind of like, wow, this is something different, completely different than what I was doing before. Well, there's, as a listener, it's very, it's very obvious, at least for me, it's like, it's so, it's so weird because, like, it's hard to talk about this balance between subjectivity and objectivity you know what i mean so it's like charlie parker to me is objectively you know if not the best for sure one of the best saxophone players that ever lived uh why well because on every if i have to like kind of rank them you know against every other saxophone player i can pretty logically like you know say you know kind of grade him to be that way uh, but you know it's it's hard to it's hard in within the field of aesthetics to break like you know how how can you make objective claims in something that you perceive like absolutely subjectively exactly you know yeah. but still it's like um it's easier in sports right like michael jordan is objectively yes one of the greatest yes. right yes uh and it's weird cuz music is almost like nobody would listen to a five-year-old and Charlie Parker play and say that the Charlie Parker and that the five-year-old is, is better, yeah. even though they both might make sounds, right? Exactly. And in kind of a postmodern world, you know, you could say that they're both equal, but it doesn't really work like that. We notice. Um, you know, Miles Davis has a good quote that he said that I'm not, I'm not the best because there's no such thing, but I'm one of the best. Yeah, you know, I like that. Um, I like that a lot. Yeah, even though I don't think he's one of the best, but he thought so. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but it's a it's a tricky kind of thing. So, but my the point the point I was originally trying to make was that as listeners, we know what quality is when we when we're faced with it. I believe, at least I can say that I do, and. Uh, and there are all sorts of qualities that exist, and I think the the healthy you can make healthy choices with listening, just like you can with food. So I I'm not gonna name any people I hate, but like there there's a lot of music I dislike, and not because it's terrible, but because it's uh, poisonous. I you can, know, I like, can, like McDonald's, it's the McDonald's of music. You know, to where it's like. <laughs> 
produced to satiate this thing inside you that's hungry for garbage and yes. leaves you feeling worse than when you first got on the ride. Yeah, there's and no no nutritional value to it. No, you know. no, and some and some people just you know, there's some people are just so good that it goes beyond your mechanisms of like jealousy or you know I get exactly what you're saying going back to the sports analogy it's like Tom Brady love him or hate him he's friggin good yeah. you know that's the reason people love or hate him you know so it transcends whether or not you like the person actually and it's just right. like well, obviously the guy's good and that's why you don't like him or you do like him you know so that, same thing with some musicians they're just so they're so good at what they do it's like you can't say they're not good yeah I mean you can say whatever you want <laughs> but true, true. you could just be wrong <laughs> you know but it's uh, yeah Listening to Django Reinhardt or Charlie Parker or Mozart, you know, it just, it, it's, it's the kind of thing that's designed to make you feel something that you need to feel, yeah. right? Rather than something that's just, uh, you know, targeting the weakest part of your brain, yeah. you're just hungry for a beat. I mean, you can even take that and extrapolate it. Like, if you only practiced, like, Ramon's punk songs, and I'm not trying to crap on anyone, but yeah. if, that's, if that's all you ever practiced and you got the best at that, you're not really utilizing too much of your learning ability by only ingesting that. And like I said, I'm not trying to crap on the Ramones or anybody that... Cause, cause I like, barely even know them, so it's okay. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's just punk music, you know? Yeah. It's power chord, three chord punk music. But it's still one of those deals where, like, if that's all you're doing and that's the only thing you're doing, you're not expanding your width of knowledge or your practicing regimen or anything like that any farther than that. Sure. It's not like it's... It kind of comes back to this almost quote-unquote poisonous like we were talking about earlier. It's yeah. You're not doing yourself any favors in that aspect too. So it could come down to even like not just listening but like as far as what you're learning on the guitar. Yeah, I mean, I think it's... You, you can get... You can, you can have a good path through art and music if you just are honest about how things make you feel. You know, because like when you're doing aesthetic things, the whole point of it is to make people, you know, and yourself, you know, feel something. So the depth of what you're able to give can't ever be larger than the depth of what you can perceive. So whatever kind of defining electric moment you have with music kind of defines the pinnacle of what you're capable of right so yeah. like the deep experiences you have maybe as a kid maybe as an adult realizing things diving deep you know uh having some sort of reaction to music those are that's kind of like the groove inside you that defines the depth of what you're able to communicate to another person people people can't um it's like I heard an author talk about this that you can't ever write a character that's funnier than you are you know that's, that, that's or, true. or smarter than you are because that's that's because you have these human limits human on you limits. And, and you can't imagine yourself to be funny yeah you know? so it's like you can't make you can't have an emotional depth that you're incapable of in your music you know that's that's actually really deep and really brilliant <laughs> yeah I, so God. yeah, we're busting out some good stuff here today. Uh, like while we're on this topic, kind of like uh, maybe have people having different opinions about music. Uh, you're no stranger to people having uh, 
opinions that differ from yours online. Um, yeah. Because you have so many Facebook followers, you also have a lot of Facebook uh, detractors, let's say. Uh, the, the Marvin Strikes Back? Yes, sir. I'm talking about the hashtag yeah, yeah. of Marvin Strikes Back, which I, <laughs> a few years ago I thought was like, uh, I was like, man, these guys are ballsy doing this. And then after a while, it's like, yeah, why shouldn't they strike back? You know, there's so many people. Well, we just decided that we're going to have like a zero tolerance policy to it. So, uh, and it's just, well, first of all, they, they don't understand. We control the conversation in the sense that the way Marvin Strikes Back works is they write something, I write something back, they write something back. I write something back, I take a snapshot of it, and then I post it. Yes. So I decide when the conversation's over. Uh, and that's a lot of... It's like, it's like talking shit. It's like hackling in a stand-up show, not realizing that the comedian's holding the mic. Bingo. It's not... It's not, uh, it's not a balanced debate. You're going to always... Uh, you know, and, and the, the whole idea of the strikes back, it's like, you know, I would never talk shit on the internet, but I'm amazed at the amount of people that would. That will. So, yeah. yeah. So I, I always, but also I'm, I'm always trying to be not uh, horrible to them Bingo. personally. But I, if I'm cranky, sometimes I go over my. <laughs> well, I mean, justifiably so, though. Like some of the things people say, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty attacking of like the music that you oh, guys completely. put out. You know, it's like. Uh, uh, something I'm just trying to think of something it's usually something along the lines of like more notes doesn't equal something blah blah right, whatever right. something less and, is more yeah and I you know one of the arguments for that is like why don't you just play more notes and you'll see how fun it is or like something like you know it's just one of those types yeah, of yeah there's there's literally a billion a billion comebacks but you know I always find that the the whole the whole less is more thing and, and aesthetic minimalism and this thing that they're trying to push uh, that's that's really popular in our generation. It's just none of my favorite. How, I mean, literally none of my favorite players ha- came from this school of thought. Yeah, it's just it's so antithetical. It's so ignorant because if you think about rhythm, which is the guiding principle of music, if you play less less diverse rhythms, less subdivisions, then you just have less options. You, it's just like saying yes. that uh, I don't enjoy colors, so pictures should be black and white from now on. Yeah. You know, because yeah. there's too much, too much going on. Like, people have already done colors, you know, yeah. but... It's like somebody sitting with an eight-pack of Crayola crayons, and they're like, this is the only crayon box you should ever use. And you're sitting yeah. here with a 64 box, and they're like, you loser. You know? yeah. like, and you're just like, why am I bad? Because I have more crayons than you, you know? Yeah, and at the end of the day, you know, I mean, when you're trying, when you're trying to improvise, you know, what you're really trying to do is kind of have freedom and have tools to follow ideas to fruition. And... Um, and yeah, sure. Like a lot of it, a lot of it's really technical. And I also understand, you know, when you're talking about musical phrasing, there's three modes uh, of playing that that you can lump anybody's solo and history into, right? Like so you can call them different names, but like the way I like to call them is making statements, which kind of that's kind of like you know most of BB King's playing things that kind of echo in your mind that you can sing back. Okay. Riding the groove, okay. which is just like the talking part of soloing that's kind of like meandering and just feels good, but not necessarily memorable. Okay. And yep. then there's the shredding, right? It's like the stuff that's 
dazzling yeah. or overwhelming. And those are really the three things you can do. That makes sense. Right? Yeah. So it's like you can kind of have this, like if you're playing on a show, do, do, go, 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 that kind of thing, and you're playing, you're riding the groove. Yeah. You're not making statements. Yeah, it's nothing. But if you go like, you know, and that's fine. It's a part of soloing. And if you go like, kind of echoes back in your yeah, mind, right? Yeah, That's, you got that. And if you go like, it's like nobody remembers that, but exactly. it does something. Yes. And those three things and phrasing in conjunction in a right balance with each other create interesting solos. Yes. So it's like, it's not, it's like not... You know, it's like saying, like, I don't like people who walk on two legs. Let's chop off one of the legs. <laughs> it's like hop everywhere. It's more interesting. And it's I, like, eh. Well, I get what you're saying. Like, this morning I was cruising through some of your discography. I was showing someone. I was like, well, this is Marvin. They're going to be at Lefties tonight or whatever. Like, check it out. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, this is totally not what I was thinking it was because I didn't tell them anything about it. You know, it's kind of like showing them... Uh, Showing them a random movie and not telling them anything, and you're just like, "Here's the title," and then they get like half an hour into it, like, "Oh, this is a, a what?" You know, so that was kind of what it was like. But uh, I, the more I realized it, and I listened deeper into your music, because I've seen you guys a handful of times live, I've listened to all your music, but the deeper I listened to it, I realized that exactly those three things are almost in every single song in some yeah. form, which is kind of cool because you'll sit there and you'll be like. You get some shreddy stuff, but you also get like the phrasing that is the common phrasing through the song. But then there's like shreddy solo-y stuff. And usually somewhere in the middle, you guys hit like a groove where everybody's kind of grooving out at the same time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, now that it's kind of crazy that now that you sit here and explain this stuff, I, I'm finding your music to be a little bit... I'm finding I'm finding I can understand it a little bit better. Because before it was just like, it's so foreign to me, you know. Yeah. I was, I'm... You're in Iowa right now. Born and I'm born and raised in Iowa, so I only have the exposure of what Iowa has to give, and I have no gypsy jazz <laughs> background at all. You know, those are two backgrounds I don't have anything that mm -hmm. I know about. But now that you explain it with uh, that basic outline, I kind of get the gist of it. Uh, yeah, but overall. I mean, it's, if you listen from that perspective to Charlie Parker or Django or you know anybody, John Coltrane, they all. It's not, it's not that we invented it. It's all you can do. You can't do that many things. There aren't that many things in music, right? So like when you're just playing rhythms for people, one of three things can happen. They could be memorable. They could be just pleasant and grooving. Or they can be dazzling and overwhelming. That's it, right? It's like mm -hmm. that's, that's all I mean by that. And a good solo has a balance of those things. So you got you to... Gotta, if you shred the whole time, you know, like... I don't know, like some shrapnel guys like from the 80s where it's just not interesting music. It just sounds like... There was you know, a point where that happened. Yeah. I love shredder. That's probably my favorite style of guitarist is shred yeah. playing, but there was a point in the 80s where it's just like, it's overboard. Right. You know, you can't play 240 beats what? per minute, 16th notes the whole time. A guy like Ingve, like, you know, to me, like, you know, was super, like, you listen to the solo on like Black Star or something, it's yep. like, you know, it's super balanced. You know, it's like, he's playing a lot of like... Th things that are riding the groove but definitely memorable statements like all over those solo like the it's like you know the way that solo starts it's, yep. it's fucking awesome you know or like you know for the love of god steve Vai, it's like yep. tons, tons of statements but then it's balanced between you know all these great all the all the top echelon players in that style I had to follow it or it wouldn't have worked that makes right? total sense but uh but then you get into like you know, Rusty Cooley and like, you know, the people 
kind of after that kind of tried to just shred. Yep. And, it's, and yeah, I mean, you do get to this thing where it's not less is more. You need to have just as much, but you need to have... The proper oh, balance of it. Yeah, all. you need to you need to understand what makes good solos. Yeah, and uh, and it's not just the flash the flashy part of it, you know. Yeah, so the analogy is like most people eat cookies because they're they're sweet tasting, but you can't make cookies with just like ninety percent sugar. It doesn't make right. any sense. You know? Right, right. You're not gonna like do lines of sugar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so I was like, one of the things when I started like following you guys online and stuff like that, I, I, we talked about it first. Was uh, you're always online playing. You're mm-hmm. always kind of saying like, well, here's how I kind of view this person's style. They used a lot of these phrases or a lot of these patterns because that's usually what a lot of players do is they'll pick handfuls of patterns and, and phrasings and styles they like and just that's their set that they usually use for the most part. So you can kind of nail down some people's styles pretty good. You're pretty good at that. I think that probably has to do with your musical teaching mm-hmm. uh, whereas opposed to somebody like me, it's I'm just kind of guesswork at, for the most part. I, f- I feel like I, for me, I always had this ability to look at the big picture and understand how to articulate the details that make it work. Right? Yeah. So, and, and, uh, that's, it, th- that's something that like, I guess I didn't have to work on very much cause I could always, I would always kind of gravitate into to the things that I, you know, to the best of my judgment were like the essential kind of bits of information inside this big complicated thing Makes sense. and if you can kind of go in there and extract those and practice those and show them to people uh, they react but I think you know the Facebook live thing took off first of all because the band was doing well and uh, you know we had enough people kind of you know responding to our page so a lot of people were watching it but uh, I don't know if you're, if you're kind and generous to people they tend to appreciate it you know? yeah and, and it's just like yeah they respond to it I mean, you're giving back in more than just like video lessons. I've seen you post like, well, here I've drew, I've drawn out every scale you can play, yeah. you know, and I've seen you draw that sheet out and share uh-huh. that a couple of times. And you're, and you're good at going back in time and resharing things that you've already posted once, yeah. which I think is beneficial because how many times do you go through Facebook and you see something you're like, I'm never seeing that again. Right. I'll never find it again. It just well, I mean, with the live videos, I wouldn't even know how to begin because I've done hundreds and hundreds of oh, hours yeah. of those. So. Yeah, but I mean, I have students that like, you know, go back and fish something out and share it and then, you know, do that. But the interesting thing about that is that, uh, you know, this is kind of like the new thing from our, the the era that we live in, Mm -hmm. that you get, if you're, I guess, confident enough to interact online, which I know a lot of people are just kind of silent passengers on this live feed thing, they shouldn't be. Like, if you have a question you're pretty likely to get it. And, you know, if you ask something, I'm probably going to answer it. Exactly. And, uh, you guys have always been good about that. Even if I just like, even if I'm just like watching, it's like, oh, you guys, it's it's midnight. You're on the road. You're talking about something. I'm just like drive safe. And you're just like, oh, drive, Peter says drive safe. You know, yeah. thanks. And it, you're good at interacting with everybody, even if it's just a little bit for simple things. Yeah. That they're well, I mean, I understand that they're, that they are people. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, I don't know. It's like, I, I don't, uh, like it's very strange um we got to spend some time with people who were known guitar players in the 90s and 2000s that grew up in the 80s in the heyday of guitar and they had a sort of distance from their audience that's what it was just never it was never my experience mm-hmm. you know i never felt like um you know any sort of connection to them or well i mean for me, like, you know, I, 
we started from nothing, so it's like I, I was talking to everybody at our show. And even when we play big shows now, it's just, I, I understand it's people. I don't think it's like my fans. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? I must escape them to the green room. <laughs> you know? I'm going to go out of the back door before somebody talks to me. Oh, yeah. You know, I just, I don't, I don't feel that way. So I understand that those people on the other side are people who are curious. And I don't know, maybe, I think psychologically it actually might, break down a little bit of the mechanism of uh, fan and artist, you know, because I, I think people like to imagine you being not a person, you know, being yeah. kind of bigger than life, and it's like you let their fantasies fill in a lot of blanks, and I can see that we don't do that, uh, and some people are, like, I, I'm pretty sure, like, you know, the guys in, I don't know, Wolfpack or some band that's, like, huge right now, you yeah. know, are have very little interaction with their fan base and I don't know past a certain size maybe it's not possible but um, I don't know, for me it was always I just I just treat uh, people the way I treat people which is try to be as nice as I can and and try to be generous I'm also I'm not I, I can't subscribe to the idea of keeping your teachings Secret, but I, I'm not trying to sell them. So that that's another thing that's, that's yeah. very different than a lot. A lot of guitar players now are just uh, you know, especially in gypsy jazz, and you know, they keep having these online academies and lessons that cost yeah. subscription money, or they want you to download their lessons for like you know, thirty bucks a pop or something. For me, that's free, man. Just the thing that's... I'm selling music, you know. You go yeah. you buy our albums yep. and come to our shows. And that's all I ever wanted to do. You know, and that's one of the reasons I think I respected you so much about, like, your music. Is, is your music's everywhere on every streaming service and everywhere. So, like, I can access so much of your content for free that going to your shows live, buying your T-shirts. I got the... Do you, do you even shred, bro? <laughs> that's, I love that shirt. I love wearing it places. Uh, but, yeah, like, I mean... I go to your shows every time you're in Iowa just for the simple fact that it's like, this is this is how I'm going to pay this band back for yeah. putting all this content online. It's it's not much different than like a podcast. You know, like comedian podcasts are a big deal right now. So like the only way right. to pay these comedians off for their podcast is go see them live. I mean, granted, they're getting like ad revenue and whatever, yeah. but but still, like it's uh, the yeah. concept is still the same. Hey, I'm wearing me undies right now because of Bill Burr. Really? Yeah. Heck yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Uh, actually, actually, I shouldn't even mention it. I'm a I'm at a coffee shop right now. I won't mention my sponsor because it's another coffee place. Ah, <laughs> shit. No, it's cool. It's, <laughs> it's cool. We'll talk about it afterwards. Uh, but yeah, so like, your guys' online content is amazing. So much so to the fact where like, uh, your quest for tone uh brought you guys to were you like crossing the border into mexico on foot what was, <laughs> what was all that about i was watching that yeah so this this is day uh 44 of a 44 day tour right now and about halfway through it we were playing and uh we drove from where did we drive from from arizona to from flagstaff arizona to or no from uh what's the big city in arizona Tucson? No, Arizona? not Tucson. Phoenix. Phoenix. We drove from Phoenix to El Paso. And then uh, we had two shows that day. We had one in Juarez, playing the jazz festival in Juarez. And then late at night, we had one in El Paso. And like the the promoter told us, like the line to go into Mexico is like five minutes. And then to go back into the USA is like seven hours. Yeah. I don't know if you're aware of this, but it's 
fucking crazy. Yes, like yes. trying to get back because, you know, everybody wants to be in this country for some reason. Because um, it's awesome. <laughs> it is. Uh, it really is awesome, yeah. dude. People that think it's not awesome should go other places. It's uh, so awesome. Bingo. Oh. bingo. Oh. Even other great places oh. seem not quite as awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. It's so awesome. Like we just, the you, fact that you could just dude, drive it, 44 days. And you would know no that board. More, oh. more than anybody because of how much, this is you're, the not most, even, you're not even from here. So you would yeah, definitely yeah, yeah. know. And, and in a lot of ways, socially, it's not amazing. Like yeah. to hang out, to hang out, there are better places to hang out in the world. But to work, oh my God, dude. It's just an amazing. Anyways, yep. not gonna go down that rabbit yeah. hole. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So he's like, we have to go on foot, and uh, you know, because the tr- we wouldn't be able to make it back to our show in time. So did you? So you went so, on foot. So we went. We drove to El Paso. Okay. But uh, you know, they didn't. They had a cab for me, but like some, like transistor head. Uh, so we got my pedal board. And my head, 100-watt tube head, weighs like 100 pounds. And, you know, our guitars, cymbals, snare drum, we parked right on the border of El Paso and Juarez. And then we walked about a mile across the bridge, carrying all the gear on foot. And then they picked us up, drove us to the jazz festival. We played the gig. They drove us back. Uh, by the way, we're famous in Mexico. It's crazy. It's like single women in our shows. Like, Marvin. <laughs> it's very weird. It's not like the U.S. at all. Um, and, uh, you know, we, and then we came back, uh, carried all our shit back on foot, got to the venue just in time. And, yeah, it, it, it worked out. But uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty particular about I would have played what they had, but it would have sucked. So yeah. I mean, so I'm very glad I got to play my own amp, and the people that paid money got to, you know, hear it the way I like to hear exactly. it. Exactly. Um, I mean, there's this giant argument that is like a great musician can make any gear sound kind of like what they want it to. You know, uh, you can manipulate it in a fashion, or pl- your playing sure, style gonna, will lend gonna, itself. I mean, you're gonna sound like you, mm-hmm. but it's like, uh, you know, I don't know. I guess a great audience member would forgive you sounding 10% shitty. <laughs> but do they take the same kind of... Uh, That's true. Uh, That's true. You know what I mean? Do you extend this logic to the audience too? That's it's, true. It's like yeah. if, if the artist is so great, as the audi- can the audience also be so forgiving? Yeah, true. Uh, so it's not like you're going to... Yeah, okay. I get what you're saying. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, yeah. It's like, you, you, yeah. Could, you could show up with a line six and, and rock a line six. Listen, I'm going to play the same kind of lines, the same kind of rhythms. It's just going to sound Different, like, yeah. It's gonna sound like me playing through whatever. Yep. Yeah. You know. So I mean, people that are really into my playing are gonna like it. But be, liking my playing is also liking my music is also liking my judgments about sound. Exactly. And, I, and yeah. I picked that gear over a very long period of time to fit what I do. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like it's it's just it's faulty logic. It's like saying Van Gogh is great. He's gonna be great with a pencil. It's like, sure, he's going to be great with a pencil, but do you really want a bunch of pencil drawings in your house yeah. or in the fucking Louvre? Yeah, no, exactly. you don't. Yeah, you want to totally. see that guy do the thing, do the job with the right tools for the job. That totally makes sense. You know? That totally makes sense. So it's like, it's not like he's going to be a terrible painter. He'll figure something out. Yeah. But it's like, do you want to see that like bastardized version of the thing? Exactly. As opposed to the thing itself? Well, it totally makes sense now. Yeah. Like, uh... Especially when it comes down to like, I've, I go to shows enough, uh, I've seen you, this will be like my fourth or fifth time seeing you in like maybe three years or just under three years. 
because uh, like I said, you guys tour through Iowa a decent amount. Yeah. So um, I, I usually like to peek at everybody's pedal boards because it's like, what's on there? And it, yours changes a decent amount. Yeah, not mine's a, totally not a, different now. Not a lot, but it does change. Now, now it's totally different. Yeah, from the first time I saw it, it's not even the same because i think i no. think you put a video up online of it maybe yeah. uh, not too long ago so what like what's the thing that gets you to change what's on your pedal board then uh in regards to your tone um because i feel like a lot of people just find something stick with it never change yeah i mean um well there were there were a few a few things that were really um pivotal for me so in the beginning i played with a lot of pedals i think up till maybe 2014 maybe 15 uh, and then I started playing acoustic guitar. I started getting into gypsy jazz. And I started noticing my guitar technique changing, and I was looking for a, res a response from the guitar, from the electric guitar, that was kind of um, hard to explain for people who don't understand what it feels like to play lines on an acoustic guitar. But when you do it, there's a certain kind of snappiness and quickness to the notes. You, you start getting really used to, to the way an acoustic instrument behaves that if you grow playing digital gear, you know, my first kind of setup was like those red pods yep you yep. know oh, they're yeah. like oh, yeah. terrible speakers and like a metal kind of thing so it's you know delay and very compressed and light touch and you can't you don't really develop you develop kind of a general guitar technique where you're kind of hitting the notes in time but you're not really playing dynamically it wouldn't work if you it doesn't translate right if you yep. play it like just through a clean amp or on an acoustic guitar you would get no sound yep. you know it would it would uh it's almost like the guitar is a midi controller at that point and i was getting farther and farther away from that and then i was noticing that my sound was compressed and also there's a lot of signal loss because of all the cable and pedals uh so i just went really minimalist and uh for years i was just doing uh boost pedal overdrive pedal and a delay and yeah, yeah, that sounds that's, familiar. And that's all I really had for a long time. Delaying the effects loop, like a 100-watt head with two channels. I've been using the same head forever, which is a custom audio electronics OD100. Mm -hmm. And then uh, at the time, I think it was an RC booster and maybe an SD, Maxon SD9, yep. uh, which is really imitating Scott Henderson. Yeah, it's a uh, like seafoamy green kind of colored one. Yeah. yeah. Not quite the Tube Screamer color. Right, yep. right. So I had that for a long time. And then I replaced that distortion pedal for another one by Exotic called the Soul Driven, and I played that one for years. Yeah, I remember that one being yeah. on. Yeah, and that, that's gone now. And uh, and then this year I got the G2, which is the switching system that the Gig Rig makes, the, the guys that have that pedal show on YouTube. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. so that, that Dan, make, he designed this uh, switching system. It's kind of like a Bradshaw switching system, but very small. And... Um, you know that allowed me to bring some pedals back into mm -hmm. the chain. Yep. And uh, it also controls the channel switching of my amp, which is nice. Oh, so, cool. Yeah. So now everything's kind of presets and no more dancing around. And that's nice. The la the latest thing that happened after that was the guy from Vertex Mason, uh, Vertex Pedals, reached out and sent me a bunch of pedals, and they're so good. 
and uh, Mason got into some heat over. They, <laughs> I'm not gonna get into it, but like, it's uh, it's pretty funny. A lot of people online like re are really resentful towards him for like a scandal they had with wah pedals, and for me, I don't care like even a little bit. I just listen to pedals. I'm, I don't get into that stuff. Uh, and his pedals were just so 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 good, because um, they're kind of like, you know, they're kind of like uh, dumbbells. Okay. And uh, they voice your amp to sound similar to the old dumbbells. And yeah. uh, there's one called the Ultraphonics that I use now uh, for my lead sound. And I started this tour, and I've used it every show. I love it. It's those, beautiful. Those, those old dumbbell amps, uh, those were made where it was, it was like the this EQs on one channel stacked to the next channel or something like that, if I'm not mistaken. Could be. I uh, I recently got into reading those because some people were starting to re-boutique those amps out yeah, again. I, play a few, I played a few of them. They are... Uh, they're different, man. <laughs> they, they don't behave like... Uh, like normal amps. That's what I've heard. And yeah. I'm always intrigued to do stuff like that. And that's another thing is like you get to try a lot of gear. You guys are always going to guitar shops at local places, playing gear. You went to a guitar museum recently. Yeah, Songbirds. That's where we played the Dumbles and some crazy old Strat. Yeah. Yeah, in Chattanooga. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, just that kind of stuff. The fact that you guys expose people to what you're doing uh, when you're out there on tour. It's Yeah. It's, it's, it's not as cool as it sounds. You know, it's <laughs> like, I think maybe like the my 15-year-old self would have been really envious but like you know i don't know it was nice but uh that stuff like i don't dig you know people like joe bonamassa like now own like a quarter of the good gear in the world but <laughs> it's also very disillusioning because when he plays he just sounds like joe bonamassa yeah you know, whether you're like i'm not gonna pass judgment on that but like i'm saying it doesn't change anything you do too profoundly you know it's like you you should have like if you're gonna make guitar your life you know at, at some point you're gonna kind of reach the gear the, the high level gear and stuff that fits your playing and maybe dial in your tone sure it's like you know it's good to try things it's good to make changes but it's like you don't need a twenty thousand dollar amp True, to yeah. sound good. There exactly. are a lot of things that do. There are a lot of a lot of gear at the very high level of gear does approximately the same thing. A hundred watt head does a thing, and you know, obviously, like different tubes kind of change it, different speakers change it. Yep. But uh, you need to get in the ballpark of what you're going for as soon as you can. And I think it's very possible, and, and a lot of people that are waiting for gear, it's just an excuse to not get down to business. Like when you're, if you're making a record and you're just waiting for that perfect LA studio and the nicest plugins and the best amps, and it's like, then it's like, no, it's not how it works. Like serious people make the best thing they can with what they have around them. Yes, and sometimes that actually... Having those ingredients actually create something altogether different than what they could have created had they had sure. all of the best things at their disposal. Sure. So. sure. And, you know, creating something beautiful has to do with just doing your best at the time. Yeah. And, uh, and you see a lot of people that have a lot of money and a lot of access to the best gear are much past their peak artistically. Yeah, you that's know true. I mean? Like if Zeppelin had to make another record now, probably the guitarist... You, the guitars that would be on that record would be worth 
you know, a hundred million dollars. Yeah, exactly. You know, because everybody would bust it out, but they're so past. Yep. Yeah. You, know, yep. you know, like Jimmy Page or something, or even like somebody younger. You know, it's not. It's not like. Um, yeah, like it's not like a new Steve Vai album. Exactly. It's going to be so epic now, even though he has access to the best things available. That's true. And yeah. he even still just uses some of the old gear that he right. had from back in the day yeah, anyway. So. You know, I mean, for me at this point, I don't know. I just When we go to the studio, I just bring my amp and yep. plug it in. I, yeah. I, I like it. And like you, you know? said, there are so many people when you go to the studio where it's just like, we're going to amp it up and re-amp it and then bi-amp it and then we're going to do different plugins on it and everything and there's people that will just manipulate the hell out of the guitar sound in the studio as opposed to just sure just yeah, amp, yeah. amp i don't believe in that uh i never re-amped anything and it's things react the amp is a part of your instruments like it reacts to your playing you, mm -hmm. you it's not it's not something you play things through it's like you know different harmonics pop out and and i would hit the string different if you know, if I wanted to, to create different kinds of sounds. Um, yeah, I mean, this whole idea of, like, uh, of engineering, you know, your record rather than capturing your sound mm -hmm. is very foreign to me. Yeah. But I think I have a different set of heroes. I'm more, I'm more old, like, you know, my favorite players, like Charlie Parker and stuff, or Django, they had one sound. Yeah. You know, like the way I think about like, of course I use like a distorted sound and delay, but that's still like my, I'm always trying to like play with my one sound. I don't have seven distortion sounds. Exactly. You know, I have one sound. It's kind of like a voice. Yeah. And, and that might change from year to year, like slightly, maybe a different, going through a different pedal. But like, I don't think the interesting thing, I, you know, some players like, really have this idea that every time they play a solo it needs to have a different sound to it or it's boring that's like it's not how it, it's like you need your playing to be the interesting part if you draw too much attention to the way you're coloring your tone like you know my okay it's it's cool but like what are you like showcasing like the best of uh pedal like <laughs> yeah. a nam show of yeah exactly. 2019 yeah. that's the point of making an yeah. album yeah it's the nam of tones and i get what you're saying that's where it can be distracting we're like uh and I'm not trying to, because like I play in a band with a guy with a Kemper, but one of the distracting things about a Kemper is like you could have like a Fender twin and then a Marshall and then like a 6505 tone, like all coming out in the same song. And if you know what's going on, you're like, man, these tones, like they, they sound good, but it's also like, man, you would need so much gear to try to recreate this live if you had to. And it, I don't Dude, know. I, um, don't, I don't buy that Kemper stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's like. I, I heard you on the walk down to Mexico. Uh, your, uh, thought, your thought process on <laughs> yeah, that I was one. quoting Mason yeah. from Vertex. He said he had the best analogy. He said that like digital stuff is like trying to sell blow-up dolls to sex addicts. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you just are not in, If you had a taste of the real thing, you're just not in. Listen, this is the way I think about it. But, but like, you know, jokes aside, people will always try to find the tools that make them fit into the context they're playing in. The problem is that there are very few people anymore that play with real contexts. Okay. Meaning backing tracks has become the thing you put guitar sounds on yep. through your computer speakers. So if you're playing through a Marshall, the mids coming from your speaker are not going to fit in the mix in your house of, your, of what's coming through. It's not going to blend in the air. It's going to squash it. Yep. So you go for more and more digital gear because it's no, not a Marshall. It's Marshall in a frame. Yep. It's Marshall 
inside the computer in the box it's digital marshall it's smart it's it has the marshally thing but it also f- it's so tiny that it fits in the tiny world that your pretend musicians are in and then when you go to the show and you mic them up and you throw them through the pa you all you're doing is you're mixing that backing track through the pa and your things it's not it doesn't have a place in the in the real sonic space of the room we don't play like that so it's like i'm playing you know with a real drum set and I'm not using any monitors on stage other than for saxophone yep. I'm hearing the bass from the bass amp I'm hearing the drums from the acoustic drums there's no there's no like uh, if I had you know if I had a digital kind of thing it would just disappear I would have to basically mix everything in my monitors and then mix the guitar in there too to hear it yep. so it's just like every speaker in the room you're basically mixing a little record and yep. then And then you have this like miniature picture of music. It's just not, it's not the acoustically what we're going for. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like the, the benefits of the Kemper could be outweighed by maybe your proclivity to tone uh, easily. Because like the benefit is, is I can carry 476 different amp models all in one carryable doohickey sure. to any show. So it, it no, is the, the benefit is if you're playing the kind of music where, mu- where guitar is a tiny detail that needs to fit in a very rich mix, yes. then it's going to be fine. Yep. If you're trying to be a voice on your instrument and play music basically electroacoustic music mm-hmm. you know which is what rock was till very recently mm-hmm. then it's not gonna work you yeah. know I mean I've, I went to a student of mine bought me tickets to go see Generation X and I saw Tosin Obasi and then Nuno Betancourt mm-hmm. and it's like it's like seeing like a a tiny person and a giant because when you see like a, a two big marshals and a fractal yep back to back it's just like one of them sounds like a joke uh i totally get what you're saying because even if you dial in like this is the most perfect we can make uh whatever digital sound like a amp number x you know and then you go live and you hear amp number x they sound a little bit different like you can like you and i could tell maybe like the layman couldn't but i've also been someone who's like i'm gonna go buy this amp and i'm gonna go buy that amp and did this one sounds different and i'm gonna try that one out so i've been trying to like go through different amps and try different pedals so i know how tone can and should sound but like you know like you said maybe to the layman they might not understand that this thing is just sure, kind of like a boxed uh, version the, the of layman won't understand because it's very subtle it's also the fact that uh an amp when you're playing electric guitar like for me i can't even i hate playing like not 100 watt heads like if i have to play a 50 watt tube tube head it drives me crazy because you know just when you get used to the amount of air moving into the headroom and the dynamic range i tried to play a friedman i bought a friedman and i sold it after one show uh and it's because it was just too compressed you know i couldn't get the amp to behave in a way that uh made sense with the way i learned how to play guitar it was too I also f- I feel that way about humbuckers too. It's like it covers up so much of your playing that uh, you know if you're the kind of player that worked on precision and you're not hitting strings, you're not trying to hit, and you know you play everything fa- fairly cleanly, then you get to enjoy you know the volume, the slight volume changes coming from your right hand, and if something just kind of squashes everything to where it takes it away from you then you really feel like you don't have any sort of room. It's like you're in a prison where you can't express yourself with like those, that like thing of pushing a little bit and pulling a little bit back. You know, 
it's more like how obviously it's not for layman's but it's how you it's the shading of your of your playing it's the very like tiny minutiae that makes you feel like you're actually speaking yeah you lose you know? a lot of articulation yeah and it's, and it's like to me it's like when I lose it I really feel like I'm sucking right uh, yeah yeah it's, it feels like my instrument like the tiny bit of freedom I have just got taken you know yeah, it's like it's like now you can only speak in a monotone voice, and this is like all the better you can get. Sure. It doesn't get any louder or quieter, yeah. and everything sounds like you know. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly it's kind of like that. So yeah. it's like you're always, you know, if you're used to have like you know, it's it's two percent more freedom, and then it gets taken away. You really it's it's becomes Bingo. all you think about it. Bingo. Yeah, that's a perfect analogy. Yeah, but if you're if you're not aware that that exists, and you're just trying to like you know you're the kind of player that's just trying to play a part, mm -hmm. I can totally see where it's like just pressing buttons, like king, 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 and that's like you just oh different, that's different, that's different, that's different. But like for me, it just feels like uh, yeah, yeah. And I mean, that was something I was actually thinking about on the drive down here. Was this? It's not like I feel like a lot of, and I'm guilty of this just as much as anybody else. But I feel like a lot. Too many people lean on the gain knob too hard. You know, it's just like, well, gain, it sounds good, it's metal, it's it's heavy, it's distorted or whatever. And like you said, it brings that compressed yeah. thing in there that kind of just takes away from some of your articulation that you have. Yeah, there's also the issue of like, uh, it could be v very scary to stand next to a loud amp. Yeah. You know, uh, and if you hear the, you know, it's if you put your ear against your hypothetically against your own mouth and heard yourself speak all the breath and lip and spit noises mm -hmm. you might be like um, afraid to make a sound because yep. you're hyper aware at that point yep. and when you're playing with the very when, I, when we were opening for Alan Holdsworth the the whole bottom cab the bottom like two cabs that he used for his lead tone he would flip over and shoot him backwards because he didn't want to hear it you know so a lot of times people use reverb or delay to put distance not between the audience and the sound but between themselves and the sound okay. they're afraid of their own sound so reverb just artificially makes it sound like it's far away the problem is that obviously from where the audience is standing you sound like you're actually far away and then you have reverb on top of it so you have the actual reverb and the and the digital reverb yep. and it just makes it sounds like you're sound like you're in a cave yeah uh, oh, but yeah. The, the the psychological reason of using reverb is just because you know to put that distance between you and your sound yep. um because it's scary to be the one controlling the sound it's very when you're true right there uh and a lot of times you know it's like flipping the amp the other way or wearing earplugs or something like that actually gives you the distance you need from your sound mm -hmm. you know or just getting used to it yeah. which is uh, it's hard but you know pianists have the same problem when they overuse that you know sustain pedal yep. you know just to make it sound ambient but the problem is it sounds soupy yeah. when you stand a few feet it's away starting to lose articulation yeah. in there all those nuanceical bits this is this is actually a really great conversation because it's been a while since I've sat down and thought about music this deeply, and you're somebody that obviously this is all you do is just sit down and think about music as deeply yeah. as you know as you do. Which if anybody goes online, they'll figure it out in a hurry that this is what you guys are all about. Um, and you guys are everywhere online. You got Facebook is where you're probably mm -hmm. most most popular. Bandcamp. Uh, you're on Bandcamp. Um, I think I saw on Instagram as mm -hmm. well. Uh, uh, it's uh, Marbin Music. Is that on everywhere? Is it Marbin yeah, Music? Marbinmusic.com. Uh, Marbin Marbin yep. Uh, you guys are finishing up a tour as of the day we're recording yeah. this. But that's right, last day of tour, right? But I'm sure you're going to go on tour again. Yeah, you guys are January. Always, yeah, okay. So you're taking like a month off. And, yeah. All right. So you take the holidays off and go back out on tour. 
I don't know what that tour is, but I'm sure you're coming back through. No, some, not somewhere. Iowa. We're going to Texas and, uh, yeah, down south, deep okay. south. Makes sense. Wintertime, go south. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and no then, uh, yeah, we have a new album coming out December 1st. Cool. Yeah, it's called Strong Thing. It's all ready. Awesome. And, uh, yeah, it's already, we're selling the VIP package, for which is, you can get it for the actually I don't know when this is coming out I think it's on, it's gonna be only till next Friday but it comes with a limited edition t-shirt and uh, cool. Marvin Strikes Back coffee table book <laughs> yeah oh, yeah so there's dude. only seven, seven days to get that uh, but after that we'll start pre-sale for just the album dude uh, that's cool yeah that Marvin Strikes Back coffee table book it'll be worth it for that alone yeah. oh man yeah so that's uh, that's available right now on our band camp but only till next Friday okay cool <laughs> cool man after that will be the pre-sale and then December 1st, Strong Thing comes out. That's awesome. Strong Thing's the name of the new album. Yeah. That's cool, man. Uh, I mean, I've been following you guys for your last three albums. Uh, it's been fun to see you guys live, uh, see you at shows. Well, tonight's all new music. You've never heard any of it. Cool. This is going to be great. Yeah. Uh, I'm really, really happy you sat down. Uh, I mean, took some time out of your day yeah, of to course. sit down and talk with me a little bit here. Uh, we've given shout outs. So we've talked about Marvin, uh, your band. We've talked about shows you got coming up, choosing tone, all sorts of good stuff. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to toss in here while we're talking? Go to marbinmusic.bandcamp.com. There's a free sampler there. If you're not, if it's absolutely free. If you're not into buying music, you can just download it. It has one song from every album, and you can just enjoy it. Oh, that's cool. That's yeah. a good idea. One from every album. Yep. You get a little tiny snapshot of a taste from everything. That's right. Dude, Seven. that's that's cool, man. Yeah. That's really cool. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing you tonight at Lefties, man. So yeah, it's, it's gonna, gonna be, be great. Fun. All right. We'll check awesome. you later, man. Hey, that was an awesome episode. And I mean, amazing. I had a great time sitting down talking with Danny. Uh, great, great guy. You know, it's, it's really cool that somebody came here from another country to learn music, uh, to further their knowledge. And now uh, came back after learning all this music and, and you know made a band and is traveling the U.S. doing what he loves. And uh, you know what? Check out that new album he's got coming out. I would literally do the pre-order for that just for the coffee table book uh the marvin strikes back stuff is amazing they've they've done a really good job of of compiling everything they do and and making it sellable uh at their merch table i saw uh sheet music for all of their their tunes and the sheet music has uh stories for some of the songs that they have because almost every song they have has a story behind it and it's just one of those things where i don't know if i've i've met any bands that have been this marketable and, and done this good they're they're just doing all sorts of things they're always on facebook live talking to people i mean it's it's non-stop um I've, i enjoy seeing marvin just about every time they they come to town uh like like i might have mentioned in the podcast i've seen them maybe four or five times it's 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 crazy i mean i always used to joke that you get you get the most notes for your dollar watching marvin play live and it was a it was kind of just a joke but it's kind of true though too i mean uh, they're a little bit shreddy but not always shreddy um i used to, i used to always take snapchats and and throw them up on my little snapchat story for people to check them out people would always be like who is that it's like oh it's marvin you know uh danny does all sorts of cool things he puts little videos online of uh, lessons he's doing they say hi to everybody while they're in the van on tour uh, just a just a great group of people. I really really dig the music, and I uh, I dig everything they've got going on. So I really appreciate everything. I want to say huge huge thanks to Danny for taking some time out of his day on the last day of his tour to sit down and talk with me uh, in a coffee shop in Des Moines. So uh, shout out 
to Danny for doing that. I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, the show at Lefties was amazing. The bands were all amazing. I had a great time. It's kind of weird going to shows alone, but uh, sometimes you run into people you know there. I saw a couple people from the Eleanors there. Uh, you guys might remember the Eleanors from one of my uh, older episodes. I did an episode with uh, David Tillenhast Jr. That's uh, We call him Till. That was episode 59. And uh, I've recently got to know some of those guys a little bit. And they are amazingly fun people to hang out with. I, I had a good time sitting down and chatting with them at the show. So hats off to the guys in the Eleanors, guys and gals in the Eleanors for stopping by and, uh, you know, checking out the show, keeping me company a little bit. I kind of just invaded their table, but whatever, you know, rock and roll. Thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate you guys letting me sit down next to you and talk a bunch. So uh, hats off to you guys. really appreciate it. I just want to let everybody know that uh, you can go to www.couchtowncoffee.com and check out all their goodies. They've been so good to us. You can enter the code word MARBIN this week and save 20%. Uh, it's hard to beat that. There's, it, I mean, there's big box companies that won't even offer you 20% off. And this is somebody in Iowa that is roasting coffee that is offering you 20% off. It's uh, Local companies don't usually just be like, well, I'm giving you 20% off. But Couchtown Coffee is. So go to couchtowncoffee.com, find a coffee you like, make an order, use the code word MARBIN, and you will save 20% just because you're listening to this episode, just because you're listening to this podcast. That's how, that's how much Couchtown Coffee loves local music, and that's how much Couchtown Coffee loves you because they make some of the greatest coffee, not just in Iowa, but across the U.S. It's, it's easily some of my favorite coffee I've, I've ever had. Not just, and I'm not just saying that because uh, you know they're the sponsor of the podcast. I enjoy that coffee a lot. I've bought so much of that coffee and shipped it across the U.S. to people just because why not? Just because why not? I really enjoy it, and uh, it's that good, and I figured everybody else will like it too. I know you'll like it. Go to www.couchtowncoffee.com. Check it out. Enter that code word Marvin. Save yourself some monies, and uh, drink some Couchtown coffee tomorrow morning. It's going to be great stuff. I also want to let everybody know you can go to www.audiblefarm.com. Audible Farm has all sorts of goodies. Uh, you know, I, I do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I started out doing Audible Farm by recording music uh, at shows because I just wanted to let everybody have an opportunity to see some of the awesome bands that I had seen live, um, live as well. So I would send these people. I'd be like, oh, yeah, check this band out or whatever. They're, they're here. They're live. They're really cool. And... Uh, I mean, I've got videos on the on the YouTube channel. I've got the podcast on the YouTube channel. If that's not where you're listening right now, all the podcasts are also on the YouTube channel. Uh, all that stuff is on audiblefarm.com. You can find uh, links where to listen. You can uh, find an app that I guarantee you, you probably have that you can listen to the music with. There's also little players right in in the website. There's one that you can listen from SoundCloud uh, or or YouTube if you like YouTube. I've got the playlists right there. There's uh, links to all of our social media as well on there: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, we are all over the place. It it's it's wild. Uh, lately, we've been doing really good with the t-shirt sales t-shirt sales i'm i'm down to the single digits i'm sold out of smalls i'm sorry there were so many people that said save me a shirt i'll buy one next time i see you well i had about 50 or 60 people tell me that and i didn't even have that many shirts to begin with so um i just kind of went on the first come first serve whoever's got cash and shows up with it first is going to be the people that get the shirts and i'm out of smalls i i got medium large and extra large left and like i said i've got single digit quantities uh of all three combined so you might want to hop on that if you want a t-shirt 
I do, um, I do have uh, some other things in the works. I've debated whether or not to order more shirts. Uh, if I do, I don't know if I might get a different uh, style or size or uh, colors or different quantities. I'm not sure. I'm still kind of tossing it all up in the air. But I do have some more merch in the works. So if you missed out on the t-shirts, uh, hang tight. I might have something for you next week. Um, maybe even maybe even the week after. I don't know. We'll see. I've got some more stuff in the works. So don't fret if you didn't get a shirt. There are still plenty of opportunities to get Audible Farm merch. Well, as a matter of fact, if you were you know, medium through extra large, you can get a shirt right now. So uh, don't fret. Go ahead and get yourself a shirt. If not, you can just kind of hold off and find something uh, good coming up later. And, uh, I mean, there's all sorts of goodies there. Uh, I, I do have a little bit of advertising I do on the... On well, as far as Facebook and things like that, I share all that stuff, but it's tough to find uh, everything you need to find on Facebook. It's tough to find uh, the right people or to see everything that somebody posts because not everything gets shared, you know, the right way or, or whatever, whatever. Um, one of the cool things I started on Facebook was the Audible Farm Iowa Live Music and Entertainment Promotion Group. Anybody who's got a band, uh, music, I don't, I don't care what you got. I don't care if you're, you're juggling on the street corner and you made a Facebook event for it. Share that thing in there. Let me know what's going on. Let everybody know what's going on. There's uh, just over 100 people in the group right now, and I'm, I kind of invited some people, and I hope everybody invites their buddies to it. And, and you know, recently I've had some really cool posts in here. Um, for example, this Saturday, RWC is going to be at the Poorhouse in Humboldt. That'll be sweet. Um, let's see, what else do we got posted in the group, group recently? Um, ooh, Rockin' Picnic. Rockin' Picnic's already got an event for next year. Dang. That's awesome. So uh, they're ready. They're ready for it. I hope you don't miss Rock and Picnic. I did a little podcast with Scott Dahl about the Rock and Picnic, um, since he is kind of one of the MCs slash hosts slash um, uh, all around good guys that kind of helps helps direct the traffic and run the show. So I, I really appreciate everybody at the Rock and Picnic and Humboldt for setting that up. Uh, if you want to see any of these events, any of these shows, any of these podcasts, any of these anything that's being shared in the group. Go to Audible Farm on Facebook and find the Audible Farm Live Music and Entertainment Promotion Group. Share whatever you want in there, as long as it's any remotely entertainment-based anything. Um, there's another post. The 96th episode of I Hear I See Radio is is also on there. I Hear I See is a radio show that's also a podcast. You might want to check that out. It's a pretty cool one down in the uh, Iowa City area. Oh, let's see here. We shared all sorts of goodies on here. Looks like there's a, an event called Holiday Hell that's coming up, and uh, believe it or not, that one, I, be I believe I'm going to be playing on that show. You might want to check it out. Oh, man. I mean, there's all sorts of goodies shared on there. I Just go there, check it out, share some of your own events if you'd like to. Uh, invite all your bandmates, invite all your buddies. There's all sorts of goodies on Facebook. Uh, check out the past episodes. You can find those anywhere. Uh, wherever you're listening to this right now, I'm sure the past episodes are there. You can find them on YouTube, um, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, I mean, whatever. Whatever you want to find them on, they're all there. I want to say thanks once again to Danny for joining me on this podcast. I had an amazing time sitting down talking with him. Um, you know, safe travels everywhere you guys go in Marvin. I really appreciate you guys constantly coming through Iowa and doing shows. I really, really appreciate it. Um, I also want to say thanks once again to Couchtown Coffee. I want to say thanks to everybody that's been posting in that Audible Farm group on Facebook. Check out audiblefarm.com for everything Audible Farm. Don't forget to check out Couchtown Coffee. I want to say a huge shout out to all of our partners. 
the Fort Dodge Fine Arts Association, the Indie Music Room with Heather Kelly, which is another podcast based out of Fort Dodge that's kind of doing what we're doing, but they're doing it a little bit differently. I recommend everybody check that one out. That's cool. Otherwise, we got the Iowa Podcast Network and Podcast IA, a couple of podcast networks in the Iowa area that have been uh, doing a little bit of work here and there, and I really appreciate those guys helping me out when the podcast started. They they did the best they could to put me on this little pedestal to say, hey, here's another good podcast. Check it out. So a uh, tip of the cap to you two groups for doing what you did when the podcast started out. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, check out the website. Check out Couchtown Coffee. I got to take off. Uh, I got to go to class. So we'll check you guys later. Peace.